Hey, everybody, welcome back to the I Fell Podcast. I am your favorite host, Miss Shay Ruff, and I'm so excited to be with you guys once again in this finale season leading up to our one-year anniversary. And, of course, I told you that season nine is about preparedness. So today we are talking about retirement planning with the wonderful Jeffrey Lamar. He is a financial consultant in the Black-owned Lean in people, black owned, <laughs> coming to Wealth Advisors, and they are in Midtown, Atlanta, Georgia. I'm super hyped about this. Get your pens, get your notebooks, get whatever you need to get so you can take notes from this uh, podcast because he's going to be giving us so many tools. So, Jeff, thank you so much for doing this. Hey, thanks for having <laughs> me. I'm excited. Uh, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to get on your platform and and talk my stuff a little bit and share some information and and um hopefully you know you'll learn everybody will learn maybe i'll learn you know we all learn that's what it's all about yeah so thank you so much yeah i'm definitely ready to learn because um even though i'm hosting this thing i'm still gonna be writing and taking notes and everything (laughs) so all right so you know we don't take long we jump right into the topic today's topic is i failed at retirement planning I don't care how old you are. This is a conversation that needs to be had. So we're about to jump right in. So Jeff, if you would, please define retirement planning in your own words. I believe retirement planning is the conscious effort to plan for your financial future for a desired lifestyle that you want to have. Um, It has to be very deliberate. Um, and the problem is, is most people don't set the goal. And when you talk about a plan, before you have a plan, you got to have a goal. That's the order of making a plan. But a lot of people don't have a goal because they don't know what goal to set. Nobody really knows what, you know, what retirement looks like. They just know that if they work for a company that offers a good pension or they, their retirement plan that, you know, their 401k that matches, then they just know to contribute. Most of the time, not enough. They'll contribute the minimum. And that's all they know. So, but for me, retirement planning is putting together different asset vehicles, different investments to all come together, work together, different different asset investments to work together to accomplish your financial goal. Um, but you'll never accomplish it if you don't set the goal. And I'm glad that you said set the goal because that's a lot of, that, that's what we fail a lot. We'll plan for something, but don't necessarily have a goal to it. So, I would have to say retirement planning for me is I don't plan to work all my life mm-hmm. and I plan to be on somebody's beach <laughs> <laughs> at some point in my life. And so retirement planning isn't something that was taught to me. I learned a lot about life insurance growing up, but when it mm-hmm. came to retirement planning, it was just not a conversation. They told me to go to college and get with a yeah. Fortune 500 company and don't yeah. leave, you know, <laughs> just to get the benefits. But other than that, I didn't I didn't understand retirement planning. I was, so I was told that same myth. I was told that same myth. Go to college, you know, get a degree, get a job, and, you know, start contributing to your retirement, and you'll be happy, happy ever after. <laughs> but nobody told you how to get there. Nobody told you what to do. So, okay, so let's get into this. When were you first introduced to retirement planning? Um, I was first introduced in 2009, right after pretty much right in the midst of our recession um, that, that happened right then, the first market collapse. We've had two in 11 years now, um, usually averages one every 10 years. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, that's when I first was introduced to it. Um, uh, I was a college student, uh, went to HBCU, Alabama State University, Alabama State, what's up? Um, and we, you know, we didn't have a, a fall commencement. So I actually finished in December and I was literally waiting to walk across the stage in, in the spring of the, of the next year, 2009. Um, I had finished up and I was working pretty much full time at Best Buy. Uh, shout out to Best Buy, man. Best Buy was a, a fun place to work for for many, many years. <sighs> and helped develop. I think a lot of great people. I met a lot of great people along the way. And they actually turned out to be all great professionals to this day. So, you know, um, shout out to Best Buy, man, for, for having a great uh, operating platform. <laughs> <laughs> but um, But I was working there and I was literally recruited while I was at work. I met a gentleman who was blown away by my professionalism and my knowledge. And he just, you know, asked me about college plans. And, you know, we, we end up invite he ended up inviting me to an interview. And when I got to the interview, um, a family friend actually worked for this company, had no clue. Um, and it was just amazing. Like he's, he's my mentor to this day and he's the owner of Hamilton Weapon Advisors. <laughs> Full so, circle. Well, a very, very full circle, but, you know, he had been in the industry for, you know, um, some years ahead of me and, you know, for him to be there in that position to help do the interview, it was just like, you know, it was, it wasn't even an interview at that point. But anyway, um, I got introduced to the business um, and uh, ever since then, I haven't looked back. What, what drove me the most, excuse me, was the it was just so many kept secrets about retirement planning and I didn't know different strategies and what all you could do. And, and then, you know, as you get older and you live a little bit, you realize the reality of, of growing old and not having enough, especially in my position where I'm, I'm seeing people anywhere from age, you know, 27 all the way up to age, you know, 54, 55, you know, um, I have a few clients that are actually already retired. And, and so you get to see all aspects of the spectrum about the, the struggles and, you know, um, the horror stories actually too, uh, about not properly planning for a retirement. So who, Goodness gracious. Okay. So you said a lot and it's so much that I want to just pull from what you just said, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to start right here. So my experience with retirement planning was I worked at a dealership that um, offered a 401k plan. And when it was time to sign up, I went to my paycheck. I signed up for it, not knowing anything. Went to my paycheck, saw that my paycheck was a little bit lighter. And I went to accounting and I was like, hey, um, so why am I missing money? And so they were like, well, you want to retire, don't you? And I was like, yeah, but my rent do, so I don't really care about that. <laughs> and yeah. so what, what the young lady did was instead of pushing me away or, you know, looking at me crazy or saying anything like this, she was like, come here. So she gave me um, some information about 401k planning. And this was about 2007, I think. Yeah, it was 2007. And um, she explained the 401k plan to me and how the company matches it and all of this stuff. And so I was like, okay, she kind of made me excited. So I was like, mm, put a little extra on that. We'll we'll keep it going, right? And so right. I got the company closed now and I was able to take that 401k and roll it over um, mm -hmm. into a, uh, at the time, a traditional IRA. I didn't understand it at the time, but 
rolled it over into that and then went to another company, got another 401k, rolled over another one. And so it just became like a, a habit of me just, okay, well, I've built this nest egg, let me keep going. But had she not explained to me how important the 401k was, then I definitely would have not been in that direction. So let me ask you this, Jeff. So you got into that that space of retirement planning. So when it comes to at what point did you feel like you were failing or did you see someone who was failing in this area? At what point did you see that? Well, it's it failing looks a lot different for a lot of different people. Um, I could say for myself personally, you know, I um I made a mistake of thinking that while I was in my 20s, really, really young of, of trying to do too much, of trying to uh, invest. And, and like you, you know, it's, you know, you don't have a whole lot of money, but you're, you're just trying to, you know, you know, you're trying to enjoy life a little bit in your 20s and you're yeah. trying to, you know, you're trying to do the right thing by saving. But the problem is, is that savings has to be something that is taught at home. It can't be like it's not taught in the school system. Like we, they don't teach that. So if the what I like to call money culture. When do you develop? When did you develop your money culture? Was it at home playing Monopoly? Was it you know you you balancing your first bank account um, when you got your first job? You know when did you really get intro, introduced to that to start building good money habits? And it's not something that organically ha happens. It's something that literally has to be instilled and taught to you hopefully and ideally by by your parents but you know my parents not to bash my parents my parents did what they could and they did a really good job in my opinion um at managing their own household it's just that you were in a child's place so you didn't get an adult business and oh, so right. that, that kind of kept you you know at a gap of knowledge for the most part and the reality is that you know kids should understand it as you know early as as teenagers at least about how how to you know started begin to become an adult and, and some of the important things. But I think that I just started off too young trying to do too much. And what I try to tell people who are in their 20s, all I want you to do is save money. I don't want you trying to invest into a 401k because like you said, it's like, hey, I got bills and things to pay or I got things I want to do is that we underestimate the power of having liquidity on our own cognizance. Like we want to have our own access to funds. We don't want to have our money locked up in a 401k so early because we have other major purchases that are going to occur in our life, like purchasing a home. And I think that's a major part of, of building wealth and having, you know, having asset, asset diversification, not portfolio diversification. Those are two different things. But asset diversification is that if someone had just, you know, told me when I was 21, like, hey, listen, I just want you to save. And by the time you're, you know, finished college and you're, you know, you're ready to buy your, fir your first home, you'll have, you know, $10,000, you know, to go towards a down payment for your, for your house. And you don't have to take out a loan from your employer's 401k to then have to pay it back. You know, you already have that money foresight. And so the reality is that with retirement planning, you realistically need a strong 30 years. That's all you really need to put it put away. And so legitly, most people retire 65, unfortunately, yeah. you know, <laughs> or, or 59 and a half when you get access to most of your retirement accounts. So you, you can start at latest 30. 
Okay. And so that was my thing is that, you know, I try to do too much having to go and get money and, you know, making some mistakes. And so, you know, that, that was my personal, but when I got into the industry, you know, obviously I got introduced and turned on to new ways of how to plan for retirement and what makes the most sense for my life. Um, and then the other thing that I see commonly is people, um, again, not contributing enough. So ideally, most people will say, well, my company matches 3% if I'm putting in 3%, or they're matching 5% if I put in 5 So that's all they were put in. So people are legitimately getting 10% saved when the magic number for most retirement plannings is probably 15%. You want to be putting away 15% along with that's including what your, your employer gives you. So, you know, that's the magic number that you want to get to. And don't try to get there all at once. You grow incrementally as your income grows. Um, so I've, I've seen people you know, make that that easy mistake. And then I've seen people that um, contribute too much. Um, to be honest with you, if you're an individual that makes over $200,000 or let's say $230,000 a year, um, your retirement account at your job is only going to let you put away $19,500 a year. So if you're putting away, if you're putting away more than 10, 12%, and they're supposed to be giving you a 5% match, they're not giving you a full match. Because that you're you're overfunding, you've already met the legal limit for how much you can put in. So a lot of people don't know to go to their employer and ask them, hey, you know, once I reach the highest for the year, what happens to the money? Do y'all stop deducting from my check? What's happening to the money? Like these questions are, are need need to be commonly asked. And then the final thing that I see a lot of times is people starting too late. They they worked at different jobs, they bounce around, you know, and they finally maybe land somewhere when they're in their 40s. And it's like, okay, your window is smaller. The long the bigger, the bigger the amount of time, the less money you got to, that you are required to save. So if you have a smaller window of time that you need to be saving a substantial amount of money to try to ultimately catch up. Um, and a lot of times we have to look at other strategies and things like that to, to help those individuals who start too late. Yeah. So everybody breathe because you gave us a lot. (laughs) First of all, I want to say thank you for giving us hope because, um, um, demographic wise, so far as our podcast and who are reaching our age range from 25 to about 60 plus which is very, very broad. So yeah. the fact that you said you you got until 30 or, you know, at the latest 30 to start, that gives yeah. some people hope. That gives yeah. some people hope. So that's, that's not too bad for them to start. Also, it depends on when you retire. It depends on when you retire. Because if you if you want to work to 65, then you can start at 35. If you plan on not ever retiring and you're going to always work, then that's a different story. Yeah, hopefully not. I would hope. You will want to take a break. But um, <laughs> the 401k plan, the other thing that you mentioned, um, that was uh, something that I experienced as well. There was a point where I had to go into my 401k, grab some money out, you know, or whatever. Um, and so what I did not know and the gotcha gotcha was that I needed to pay federal taxes yep. and I needed to pay state taxes on yep. the amount that I was taking out. I think, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to take out 2000 And they're like, no, you're going to get what's left. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, that's the important thing a lot of times people forget. And that's uh, the concept of retirement planning is so systematically screw, you know, scrutinized just, just because 
I have to work until I'm 60. Yeah. Like I can't, I don't, I don't get to enjoy that much. Like by that time I'm old, you know, and my health may not be the best. And it's, there's a whole lot of other factors. And <clears throat> when I'm having consultations with clients, I make sure they understand, think about these things. Cause a lot of people really, really tr- truly don't think about the details that uh, give them a happy retirement when they don't think about other, all the other things that pretty much can knock off the, the goal of your retirement. But with 401ks, you know, again, for you, you got to pay that 10% penalty. You got to pay state taxes and you're going to have to pay the, the, the federal taxes. Now, if you took, if you took a loan, then obviously you don't have the penalty, but, um, but yes, you have to take out more than what you actually need. So if you needed two grand, you're probably need going to take out 2,700 or, or three grand just to make sure that you got enough of what you needed to, to borrow. Thank you for explaining that. Cause that was my next question was to ask you to explain Taking out or borrowing against your 401k. Now, personally, I don't think it's a great idea to borrow <laughs> against your 401k because you it just doesn't make sense. Like you're gonna pay interest back on something that you had already put in. It's just it's too much. I just I think it's too much. But um well, so, here's, a, here's a cool thing. When you when you take a loan, they they're not actually they're not quote unquote taking the money out of the account. You're getting a loan from the 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 guardian of the account. Okay. Which is why you have to pay it back. Like you you have to pay it back. Um, and I say that in the sense of saying, like, if you were to take a loan and then you leave your job, you have, I think, 60 days to pay the top the total balance back. Um is what you have to pay. So if you borrow 10 grand and then you leave the job, you you have to pay 10 grand within 60 days. So you have to be really careful about that. A lot of people do that, that move sometimes depending on, you know, what's going on in their life, but I've seen, I've seen it done. So, <clears throat> but I don't ever advise borrowing against yourself just because it's one of those in, investment retirement vehicles that, you know, the more money that sits in the account, the better it is for the, the compound interest to accrue over a certain period of time. Um, again, you know, also a factoring that is, it has market exposure. So you're already, your money is already up and down every day. Um, on top of the fact that, you know, the taxes are the biggest thing that people overlook. And the picture that I paint for them is this, is that it's a deferred tax plan. So, even if you got a million dollars, um, you don't have that million dollars. You and the government have that. You and Uncle Sam have that million dollars together. But the, the messed up part is that Uncle Sam decides on how much you get. Okay. They get determined how much you get because they can change the tax laws at any given time. So even if you had a million by the time you turn 59 and a half and you want to retire, you have to factor in that you're in a higher tax bracket. Um, you don't have as many deductions on your write-offs. And, you know, easily federal taxation, you know, you're talking about 25% federal tax. You know, if you live in a state like, you know, Georgia, you know, or, you know, Alabama, let's say like 10% tax. Uh, I'm sorry, no, that's, they're 5%. Um, but also you got to factor in inflation. Um, and so then it's like you look up and 35 to 40% of your money's gone. So now you have $600,000 that's supposed to last you for the rest of your life. And so that's why we see so many people in our community have to go back to work, go to Walmart, go to Walgreens and get a job because they can't live off of that fixed income. But um, now you, you know, you break that down. That's maybe twenty seven thousand dollars a year that you're making off of a million dollar retirement. So that's why it's so important not just to have 
my 401k or not just to have an IRA through the bank or on the job. You got to have multiple asset investments to, you know, acquire uh, a certain amount of wealth, in my opinion. Yeah, so I'm glad that you broke it down in that way, because Mm -hmm. the other thing I want people to understand from this podcast is that um, there's more than one way to save for retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't, 401k is what we're conditioned to. And the reason mm-hmm. why I say we are conditioned is because naturally most of us are working for someone, right? Um, mm-hmm. not all of us are, you know, entrepreneurs or anything like that, building our own empires. But <laughs> we work for somebody who's giving us a 401k. It seems easy. I can give 2%, 3%, whatever it is, or either, you know, just let the employer, depending on who the employee is, fund that for me until I'm able to put money into it. But a lot of people get stuck. And so the sucky part about this is that in when the recession hit in 2008, it was a lot of people that was destroyed over what they built over the years, especially if it was ready, if they were ready to retire, they couldn't. Yeah, yeah. They just no. absolutely couldn't. Oh man, it's so funny you bring that up because I, I tell people, imagine, imagine that same million. I just gave that example for. And then 2008 hits or, or 2020 hits and you lose 30 to 40%. That's a lot of money to lose on top of having to pay taxes on the money right there at the end. So now you get to the end, you get to the goal line and then they move the, they move the goal. They move the goal. You know, so now you can't retire. You have to work another, you know, 10 years, another, you know, the eight years just to try to get it back up. But the thing is, a lot of times people don't want they won't do that. They won't continue to work or they don't understand the importance of trying to get the the, the money up to a certain amount. Because the, the, the other factors that people don't realize is that a lot of people think when you retire, you spend less. Like there's this idea that, oh, when I retire, you know, my house will be paid for and I won't have this. I won't have that. But the, the other thing, too, is that you won't be at a job for eight hours a day. You'll just be doing whatever you want to do. Random. You're going to be spending money. You know, a lot of people often like, you know, I want to travel. I want to go see my kids, my grandkids. Like that's all well and good. Um, so you're spending more money for one. And then the other thing is, is that of the three trillion dollar debt, medical debt, in this country, 75% of that debt is owned by people who are 65 and older. So a lot of people are using their life savings to pay for medical expenses. And so that's how that gets depleted very quickly. Even if you have to go into some type of assisted living or home, that's easily anywhere between 42 to $80,000 a year spent on that. And so if your retirement is only 400,000, how long is that gonna last? It's not gonna last very long. So that's why it's like, I've, I've seen people who thought they had enough and then slowly that account depleted. And then six, seven years later, they're calling like, oh, what can I do? You know, I'm going to have to get the job. And it's like, it's, it's truly, truly, truly breaks my heart to see um, my seniors, you know, my elders having to go back to work, not being able to afford the simple things in life. And it also hurts our community because now what usually happens is that mom and dad got to lean on the kids. And so now that becomes the kids' responsibilities and they they have their own family. And you, you see how this is a trickle-down effect? 
because yeah. now the, the income from what would be my home has to go towards helping my dad with, you know, health expenses or something like that, which take away from, oh, I was supposed to be saving. I was supposed to be investing, but I can't because I have this new expense. And so, you know, people don't look at when you turn 45 to 50, you need to start looking at long term care planning. Long term care uh, allows you to put away money. And it pays you a certain income every month to help take care of your medical expenses when you get older. That's a very vital, important part of, of having a financial plan. And, you know, I keep stressing the plan part. And we're talking about planning for, for a reason, because oftentimes as being a financial consultant, I meet people and they say, you know, oh, why should I, what should I be investing in? And I just kind of, I take a deep breath and I say, well, what's your financial plan say you should be investing in? And then they just kind of say, well, I don't really have a financial plan. I'm just doing some investments. I was like, well, that's the problem right there. If you're just aimlessly doing, oh, I'm doing stocks over here. I'm buying crypto. I'm doing, you know, I got, I got these properties over here. But I'm like, but how is it working together in a plan to accomplish the goal? Like, how, how is that coming together to accomplish that? And, and people get so caught up on just the Joneses. And being able to have that conversation about what my investments are doing and what I own and doing this, and they're not even paying attention to what the end game is. So the the I'm a I'm huge I'm a huge planner. Like I'm big on planning. I'm big on planning. I'm big on planning. I'm big on planning. So <laughs> <laughs> so the number one thing is having a plan. And here's the thing: right now, um, just you know, generally speaking. We've seen prices increase. We've seen inflation. We've seen all of this stuff happening. We've seen also how people um, are going into investments, right? Going into Robinhood, going into those spaces and, and all of that. And while it's great and it's empowering, you still need to have a plan. If you're going to invest in this stock, what do you expect to do with this stock? How much do you plan to invest in per month? What is what return are you expecting? And what I mean by return is if I put in $50, I'm expecting $500,000. I know it sounds crazy, but at least I got a plan, you know, <laughs> to put in to put in place. So um, going still along the lines of planning and everything, I have a couple of scenarios for you. OK, so I am. I don't know. Let's see. I'm 55. I don't have any retirement, never thought about retirement. Don't. Now I'm thinking about it. Now I'm like, oh, snap, in 10 years, I'm going to be 65. Social Security is not going to be anything. Mm -hmm. Have you seen Social Security, by the way? It's been coined. Pretty much. But, uh, I keep I'm, I'm telling I, it's funny that you say that is that, you know, during the baby boomers age, uh, when people came back from the first war, it, it was designed to to help in case you live too long. Like that's what it was. It was Social Security was in case you live too long money um, reserve that was supposed to really last about five years. And it, it didn't it didn't work out that way. And so now people are actually using it as a, a source of income and depending on it as a source of income. But at least for you and I, we probably won't see Social Security. They're paying out twenty five billion a year. And so it's, it's going to run out. And the reason I brought the baby boomers, because when they came back from the war, they weren't having babies. They weren't popping out kids. And so what's happening, uh, multiple two, the multitude of things are happening, but we didn't have enough people in the economy working 
to contribute to the the Social Security um, fund. And so now also on top of the fact that a lot of major corporations outsource, you know, a lot of jobs that could be here in this country, um, that affects what the Social Security fund grows to as well. But yeah, um, so I'm glad you broke that down because um, Social Security is something that some people hold on to. They're like, oh, after such and such, I'm going to be done and I can go collect my Social Security. I remember mm -hmm. getting my first Social Security uh, document and that document said, oh, you could possibly get $1,700 a month. That was, I don't know, what, 10 years ago? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's not, it's, I think it's not super far off. I think right now, I think for someone our, uh, around our age, which is around 35, 36, um, you know, it's right around 14, um, ideally, if the years are put in. Um, but $1,400 a month, um, one is not a lot. That's not one thing to, to hang all your, that's nothing to hang your hat on, nothing to put all your eggs in that one basket. It's, it can be a source of assistance. Like if it's something extra, then, then great. That goes in conjunction with everything else that you may have. But let's take a 55 year old who doesn't have any retirement savings. Um, you know, 65 is approaching. They don't want to continue to work. Um, they have to buy real estate. So um, it's, it's, I call that the cash flow retirement. So you have to build that. The biggest thing is not having enough. And so to offset not having enough, you have to make sure that you have income for life. And if you don't have a pension, which is the only other way to get income for life, typically, um, uh, or an annuity um, that you may have from some, some type of lump, a lump sum of money, um, you need to buy real estate. You need to have multiple real estate properties. Ideally, you want to have a multifamily or two. Uh, the reason I encourage multifamily just because it costs the same and it's the same process for buying the down payments, the same, everything's the same for buying a single family home for buying a four unit building. But instead of charging one person rent, you can charge three people rent and then you can live in one unit for free. So that helps save your expenses and you're able to, you know, not only charge a rent, pay, pay your mortgage, but also have some cash flow on top of that. So, you know, take a place like Atlanta, you find a four unit building, which is really hard to find right now. This market is really crazy. Yeah. But if you can find a four unit building that easily rents out each, each unit for $4,000 and you charge instead of, you know, you know, you charge each unit $1,200 to $1,500 a month. And it's like, okay, your mortgage is, is well paid for and you're living for free when you have an income. So you have to do that. I encourage multiple times. Imagine if you buy two, two four unit buildings, you got eight units that you're, that you're receiving an income from every month. And you, um, and then you also have uh, something in, to pass down. You have something that, and your kids can inherit. So that's a great idea. And that's another way to um, to actually uh, give a vehicle to saving money is ownership. Because mm -hmm. when you own something, somebody's going to always need it. So yep. it's your need, feel a need pretty much. We, I think my community is the only community that I see commonly. And it's also an age group. It's a, a certain age group, not our right. age group. But I definitely would say that, you know, um, 50 and older age group, they don't want to deal with being a landlord. They don't want to deal with you know, having tenants and dealing with people because people will mess your, I Listen, people will mess your stuff up. They won't do right. They won't pay. It's all understandable. But at the end of the day, the landlord is probably one of the highest honors you can have 
in, in a culture of you own something. You're the Lord of that land. And um, it could be yours forever. It can be in your family forever. It can, it can, in, you know, it can grow in value. Um, you, you can do a lot of things with it. You can pull out the equity and, and do new investments. You can, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of things you can do. And so it's a great honor to have that. So I try to encourage, you know, um, people to do that now, especially young people, young age, if you can do it, because we, we are influenced by that social media era, the tech era, the information era. So like, you know, everybody wants the big wedding. Everybody wants the big house. Everybody wants the, the, the nice car. And we're not willing to make the sacrifices to say, hey, well, you know what? I'm not going I'm not going to buy this big house right now. You know, we, it's just me and my husband or it's just me and my wife. We don't have a big family yet. Let's just let's tough it out you know, stay in this apartment or stay whatever for some time period, you know, or buy a, a smaller property, you know, put some money and time into it and then we can flip it or then we can move on to the next thing and we'll have that house paying for our new house. You know, just this simple things like that um, that can make all the difference if you if you only you knew the information and that's where financial literacy comes into play. And that's how conversations like this um, are helpful. And that's how, you know, something that, you know, our company stands on is that we believe in teaching our community how to, how to create generational wealth. And I'm a big proponent of financial literacy. Yeah. So thank you for that. And we appreciate you being in the community to educate us. Um, those of us who want to learn and those of us who need to learn, which is all of us truthfully. So Thank you for that. And then also, so we talked about so far, I want to recap. So far, we talked about real estate being a vehicle. We talked mm -hmm. about the 401k being a vehicle. Um, we mentioned uh, IRA uh, to an extent. Now, um, and stocks, we talked about that as well. So what, as a 19-year-old, as a right, just fresh out, well, not well fresh, but not so fresh out of high school, but mm -hmm. into college, um, starting life, mm -hmm. right? Thinking about retirement, what should be my ultimate goal? Ooh. It's it's hard again, we, we don't know what the future holds. Well, I tell most people, whatever number you have in your, your head, double it and add three zeros. And that's probably what you should try to strive for, to be realistically honest with you. A Charles Schwab report came out. Um, I forget the year, it escapes me. Um, but it said that the average retiree needs 1.2 million. The average retiree needs 1.2 million in, in, re, in their retirement fund. Okay, that's that's factoring the, the fact that you're going to you know, pay taxes. That's factoring that some people are going to get some Social Security um, you know, um, assistance. But that's the number that they said. However, 12 out of 30 adults have uh, right about $130,000 average in their retirement. So not, not nearly, not nearly enough. So, you know, double that number didn't add three zeros. <laughs> so the thing is, is that that seems a little far-fetched. I mean, it really is. But the thing is, you want to you want to aim high. You want to aim for, for the moon and land on the stars if you can. Um, but ideally, another easy way to say how much do I want to make is that if you're in a career and you know the pinnacle of your career allows you to make up to $130,000 a year, okay, take that 130 
and multiply it by 30, okay? And you say, that's the amount I need because when I retire, I want to be making $130,000 a year. I want to, and that's the thing that most people are really, and that's when I have consultations, conversations, and they don't, and I ask them, how much do you want to have for retirement? How much do you want to make? And they say, well, I don't know. And mm -hmm. so I say, well, do you want to make what you make now? And it was like, yeah, that'll be okay. That's like, it comes on to like a light. It's like, yeah, if I'm making what I made now, that'd be all right. I could live off of that. But the thing is, is that most retirement plans and retirement accounts and pensions don't set up that way. You're not going to be making the same thing as you were, as you were working. And so that's why the most successful people not only have a retirement on their job, they have some outside investments at a bank. Um, uh, one of my favorite things that I try to educate people on is building your own bank. Um, and I'll, I'll go, I'll circle back to that in just a minute. But <clears throat> it's, again, it's really hard to put a number on it. But when you're 19, um, again, your focus should be is creating liquidity, um, creating a little liquidity to have cash on hand and create good habits from the from the start because if you if you know that you want to have money but you don't really know what the process is you're still green and you can still be educated and you'll still follow the plan it's different when you didn't live life a little bit and you used to doing what you want to do and it's hard for you not to do what you want to do so it becomes a little more difficult but at that age i just want you to have really good start building good habits of saving savings mean you don't touch it savings mean you don't loan money like even if you got it sitting there it's like yeah man hey i really need a thousand bucks it's like i don't have it your savings account is is for your savings and the ultimate long-term goal for savings is to have the cash on hand for major things like you know um like purchasing a home but they're also built for if you become disabled so in your working career if you're disabled for three to six months you have cash on hand and say okay i'll be okay i won't lose my house you know i won't have we won't have to move we won't have to sell things i have money now the goal is by the time you turn 60 is to try to have a year to two years of your income saved up so if you made eighty thousand dollars a year you want to have one hundred sixty thousand dollars cash in the bank so that you can say when you want to you know what i'm gonna retire i'm just gonna retire you know i don't want to go to work no more and they'd be like, oh, but you're 58. You, you got two more years till you get your retirement income. It's cool. I already got two years of my income saved up. You know, or if you're, you know, when that's 60, 65, it's cool. I don't, I'm not going to touch my money right now. You know, let's say that it was a down year. It's a bad year in the market. And it's like, okay, well, I'm tired of working. So I'll live off of my cash nest egg that I saved myself. I'll let that account still sit there. It'll still grow. It'll still get interest added on to it without me withdrawing from it okay so that's that's different it's different approaches for everyone but my favorite one this is my last this is the last thing i'm gonna say on that is that if you're 19 first thing i think that any 19 year old should do is get life insurance uh have a life insurance policy um because as you're moving around in the streets you're trying to accumulate wealth you're living life tomorrow's not promised we, especially in this, the times that we're living in, in Atlanta specifically, uh, it's been the craziest that I've seen things in, in Atlanta um, in quite some time. Um, but you don't want to create a burden for anyone um, because accidents do happen. You know, um, nobody knows, you know, when, when, when is our time? It's just when is our time? It's our time. And there's no turning back. It's a life insurance solves a permanent problem. 
the permanent problem is, is that <laughs> if you look at it as a problem is that we are going to die. We just don't know when. And so you want to have a solution for that. And so the reason why I say, you know, at 19 is that it's super cheap and it saves your age. And so what you can do with that is that if you get it from a good company, you have to do some research or you reach out to a professional like myself or someone local in the community and you get a good company that offers great permanent life insurance policies and great term policies. And the reason that you, you pay for the term first and then you get it for a 20 or 30 year period. So let's say 12 years later, you know, you're, you know, 31 or whatever. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm convert my term to a permanent, but you're going to be converted at a 19 year old. You won't be converted at 31 year old because even still I've lost friends very young to illnesses that they were unforeseen. They didn't know they had them. You know, it wasn't until they were in their mid twenties, they got diagnosed with them. So it's like, okay, they can't even get insurance at that point. You want to get to a point where you're uninsurable. Um, but that's the most basic thing you can do is save money by a term life policy. And then when you get older, when you're making more money, you can convert it to a permanent policy and you can start what I like to call building a bank. A lot of people don't know that life insurance is one of the best vehicles for building wealth, not only from an inheritance standpoint, but from a living benefit standpoint, you can literally, um, unlike a 401k, you can't say, I want, I want to have how, uh, X amount of dollars because you don't know what the market is going to do. You can't control the market. Whereas to a you know life insurance retirement plan, you can literally set a number. It's index invested. And they have, so that means you'll never lose money. You'll always get the upside. You'll always get the growth. It's going to compound every seven years. Um, you have access typically after a surrender of maybe 15 or 16 years. So that means two things. I can get access to my money tax-free and penalty-free whenever I like. So instead of doing a 529 plan, a college fund, I can put my money into a life insurance policy for my kids. I can put my I can put my retirement into a life insurance policy and I can start taking the interest. I'm sorry, I can start taking an income from it completely tax-free. So the example I gave you earlier about a million being taxable, think about a million being fully yours. It's exactly. a completely different story. So it sounds like at 19, I need to be getting a life insurance retirement <laughs> <laughs> plan. You ideally want to, yes. You definitely ideally want to get a life insurance policy that saves your age. So no matter how big it is, it's like at least you got something that, that locks you in. And, um, you know, I'm talking about at 19, you're talking about less than 20, 20 bucks a month easily. Um, you know, you'll spend that in a day on food. So <laughs> especially today, especially during DoorDash and all of that other stuff, that's the easy $20. So, OK, so 19, I, it sounds like and I'm saying this, you didn't say this. I'm saying this at 19, okay. you need to get a life insurance retirement plan ASAP. <laughs> Just saying. It, that, that might that be a great idea those too. Were words. <laughs> those were my words, not his. Uh, <laughs> um, it's um real estate is something if you're older, um, to invest in. Um, of course, there are things that are applicable that goes along with doing that, but uh, real estate will be important as well. So, um, how late is is too late to educate yourself about retirement planning? Oh man, it's, it's never too late to educate yourself. 
Um, but it's just simple because, you know, um, that knowledge is invaluable. Having that knowledge and being able to share it and pass it down, if nothing else, being able to pass it down. There's so many people that, and it frustrates me when they say, okay, well, don't listen to somebody that doesn't have something that you want. That's that's like a very ignorant statement because are you going to learn from somebody's successes or their mistakes? Are you going to learn from both? So my thing is, is that if someone's sharing knowledge or information with you, obviously they may not be in a position to take advantage of it. It still doesn't mean that it's not good information or good knowledge for you to apply to your life. And you don't have to do everything exactly the same. Um, but I, I think that it's important to always seek knowledge, especially in this realm. And we're, we're coming in a time, like we see the ties have turned in our community about the importance of not only the black dollar, about supporting each other, um, about being informed about what makes the sense for, for people's life is literally is the difference of people just doing it and not doing it as we continue to pump more and more information out there. But also the most information that's becoming most popular is, is the investments, is, is going on Robinhood, going on TD Ameritrade, buy this stock, buy that stock, oh, I'm buying crypto, um, which I'm not gonna talk about crypto because they're not fairly re regulated. I, they can't be traded. Like most advisors can't talk to you about it anyway. So I'm not either. That's okay, something cool. that you have to do. You have to do in your own research. You literally have to do your own research and digging and deciding whether you want to put your money there or not. Um, but the problem that I have with people wanting to invest is that you're risking all of your liquid cash and you have nothing set aside for, you know, when that cash is gone. It's one thing to be in position to say, okay, all right, my house is in order, short-term emergency fund, I got long-term, I got retirement, I got all those things that I'm, I'm doing and I'm, I'm comfortable financially doing them. Now that I have some extra money, I'm going to go and do this. And that's how we got to have that mindset because the mindset of going into the stock market with $1,400 opposed to $140,000 is completely different. And understanding that if you're going in for a come up, are you going in for that hustle, that quick flip? You're in the wrong business. That's not what the stock market is designed and made for. It's a long-term planning vehicle. For that reason, there's a lot of ups and downs. And if you don't know what you're doing, you, you will lose. And it will not only affect you, it probably is going to affect multiple people around you. Yeah, and I'm... I'm um... I'm glad that you expounded upon that because, again, I'm all for making sure that people are empowered. And I'm excited that everybody's excited to do the marriage raid, the Robin Hood and all of that. But one thing I, I learned, and I actually learned this in middle school, they used to make us, now I'm telling mm -hmm. my age, they used to make us get the newspaper, two stocks from the newspaper, mm -hmm. then go and watch mm -hmm. the stock channel. Um so before I started investing, I would look at the stocks that I want, watch how they maneuver. I think I watched our, the stocks probably like a year and a half. And then if I felt comfortable enough, mm -hmm. I was like, uh, I'll buy in or whatever. And because I'm not a risk person. Mm -hmm. I risk, I, I just, I'm just not a risk person. And then also I don't like losing money. So I don't gamble. I don't do any <laughs> of that stuff. When I went to Vegas for my birthday, I put money into one machine. I won $20 and I kept moving. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not a risk person. And so I, I say to, to everyone, just, you know, educate yourself on what exactly you're getting ready to jump into. And it's great to watch 
you know, the, the hierarchy, you know, a lot of people was excited about GameStop and a lot of people are excited about all the other stocks that actually, you know, skyrocketed or whatever. And so it's exciting, but also when it falls, it falls hard and you have to be able to absorb the risk. Now, if you take all of you, everything that you have and put into it, you got to think about the consequences mm -hmm. behind it. So, yeah. So thank Absolutely. you for expounding on that so we are at the end of the podcast jeff um i want that you've already given us so so much information and i'm glad that you're piggybacking off of last week's episode which is um which was about life insurance so that that one was mm -hmm. a whole situation too but um what other advice would you give to anyone who is looking for the right time to start retirement planning um the earlier the better to be honest with you um uh culturally there, there's is is different opportunities and things that come along i can just speak for the black community um even as professionals that go to school get a degree you're not oftentimes coming out with that job that you really want or that's paying you what you feel like you're worth um, so a lot of times, you know, you'll you'll graduate college and you'll jump right into a company and then you'll immediately start contributing to their 401k without, you know, having those other things that we forementioned in place. Um, but and that's OK. And that's why I gave you earlier, like, hey, you can start as late as 30 or 35 if you plan on working to 60, 65. But most people don't even want to work to 50. Like <laughs> they don't want to work, work so to 45. <laughs> If you don't want to work, if you don't want to work that long, then that means you do. That means getting educated and being knowledgeable as, as young as possible. Is, it should be a high priority to you every day. You should be seeking knowledge that's going to feed you so that you can be able to be in a better position. But obviously, the biggest things are start as early as you can. Stay consistent. Do what's comfortable. Don't you know, you don't want to be in a situation where it's like, OK, I was contributing you know, $250, but this came up and that came up and I went on this trip. So now I can't afford to do it. So it's like, don't even put yourself in that situation. Always do what's, what's comfortable and stay consistent and steady. So if you're saving $25, $50 a month, save that, do that if that's what you can do, but don't waver from it. Just stay consistent right there and do what's comfortable. Um, and the other thing is, you know, obviously, you know, continue to asset diversify. So, um, look into, again, at different stages of your life, I categorize these as, as different money. So your green money is your stable money. It's a secure money. It's probably the most important money because this is what you're building block to building your financial house, okay? So it lays the foundation. So that includes, um, includes uh, obviously life insurance. It includes, um, it includes uh, making sure that you own some things like real estate, um, that you're, uh, if you have retirement on your job, those, those things are kind of fall into that category of, of making sure you're stable. And then as you start building on, on your house, you start taking more risk, okay? And then you put the roof on your house. And the roof on your house is, is, is your red money. Everything in between that is the yellow money. Some of it's risky, but it's pretty good long-term. Your red money is stuff is here, they going tomorrow. So your stocks. Your, your um, startup, if you want to invest into a startup or if you want to invest into, you know, a franchise, you want to start a business, all of those are extremely risky things to do and are not guaranteed a cryptocurrency, whatever it may be. But, you know, 
if a financial storm that comes around at least once every 10 years is going to come. And depending on how you have your house structured, either it's going to knock your whole house down or it's just going to knock the roof off. Just knock the roof off, then I can just put on a new roof. It's not right. that big of a deal. But if it knocks the whole house down, that's a that's a problem. Yeah. So I'm taking red light, green light, yellow light. That's exactly <laughs> That's exactly where my mind went. Like, oh, we're like, we're like. Right. <laughs> Listen, if you look, just looking at a house, green is on the bottom. That's the foundation. That's the slab. That's the basement. That's your safe haven. That's where all your 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 long term good money that you depend on need. That's my retirement. You know, um, that office there. Next thing when you're building up is just a luxury as you continue to increase your own personal income, your personal wealth. Um, you know. Obviously, one of the things we haven't really talked about, I guess, is, you know, if you're going to receive an inheritance or not. Um, we did talk about if you're going to be liable for a parent. And that's the biggest two things a lot of people don't foresee is that, OK, will I have an inheritance or will I have a, you know, a, a bill? And, you know, if you can do anything, that's another thing as a young person. If you get the knowledge, share share with your with your mom your dad whoever because a lot of times they they're in that saving and survive mentality they've been doing things a certain way for so long and they just don't know and it's up to us to be able to educate them and to protect yourself because as simple as you know hey um i'm gonna I'm buy my mom and dad's life insurance policy i'm gonna do it i'm gonna pay for it they don't have to pay for it i'm gonna make sure that they're taken care of um, when god calls them home you know, I want to make sure that we're not we're not starting GoFundMe accounts. We're not doing we're not doing that. We're going to make sure that, you know, we the family's taken care of. And, you know, again, it's just about having that knowledge and applying it as young as you can. So thank you so much, Jeff. This was very enlightening. <laughs> I did learn okay. a, a couple of things, but I'm, I'm about to go tweak my plan just a little bit. Because <laughs> I stepped into um, entrepreneurship three years. Well, four years ago it'll be mm -hmm. four years at the end of april and so um of course it's different because i am the company i am the ceo i am the employee i am everything so yep. um so there's a couple of things i need to tweak. so i thank you for that jeff <laughs> if we want to connect with you how do we connect with you um multiple ways uh, feel free to email me at j lamar that's l-a-m-a-r at hamilton wealth a d v dot com um, you can also look me up on uh, what am I on IG? I'm on uh, Facebook. I'm on Twitter at underscore Jeff Lamar. That's at underscore J E F F L A M A R. And we also talked about real estate. So how do we get in touch with Mrs. Lamar? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> you can get in touch with her. Um, you can also contact her at Rita. R-I-T-A, the, T-H-E, realtor, R-E-A-L-T-O-R-1 at gmail.com. Um, you can also follow her on social media at dreamhomes by underscore Rita Lamar. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that information. I appreciate mm -hmm. you doing this again, Jeff. This was really awesome. Thank you guys for listening, sharing, commenting, having watch parties, all of that jazz. Thank you for all of the love that you continue to show to us by um, tuning into the podcast and sharing it with everybody you know. We'll be back next week with another episode. And we're excited because it's leading us to our one-year anniversary. So we'll be back next week. <laughs>
Thank you. See you later. Thanks.